Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's edition of the We Are Podcast on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. He's Corey Geiger. I'm Jared Pergar, and I am back and ready for the spring football season. Corey, how have you back? been? Back? What do you mean? Have you have you have you been gone? I didn't. We're, we're, I didn't even notice you were gone. Having to do these podcasts by myself the last couple of weeks. I know. I left you hanging. I've been pretty busy on my um, on my side of things. We just couldn't link up. But you know what? Thing. I I like. I like doing the podcast. It's hard to do a freaking podcast by yourself for 40 minutes. You know what I'm saying? I host a daily radio show and I'm familiar with that format where you come on, you talk for a few minutes, you go to a commercial, you get a guest, you talk a few minutes, you go to a commercial, you get a guest, you take some calls to just talk nonstop for 40 minutes. It really kind of sucks, to be honest with you. I know, Corey, I don't know. There are people that we both know that think that would be an outright lie coming from you, that you don't like to talk for 40 minutes. No, 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 no. I, hey, listen, I'm talking about for 40 consecutive minutes without having somebody to bounce something off of, without having a caller, without having a guest. You know, DK does his daily shots, or the Pirates and Steelers and Penguins, and he does 20 minutes a day. I, I truly do hope people have... A, a level of respect for that because it is hard to talk for 20 consecutive minutes on on one subject right and especially with you know with every with seasons not being in well in session yeah, right you know with the Steelers being in the offseason now things are ramping up as we get nearer to the draft the Pirates were just in the offseason for quite some time and there wasn't even baseball for a while and then obviously the Penguins are in full swing so it is impressive what uh, what other people do and what we do um, to an extent but let's get to the nuts and bolts of this because I miss talking Penn State football with you, Corey. Let's talk freshmen. Let's talk about impact. And let's see, you know, because there are some freshmen I think are going to see the field really early. And there are some I don't think are going to, you know, see the field for quite some time, even though they might be highly touted. Well, these are always interesting discussions because we love in our society, we love the next thing, you know. College football fans love the next player, the recruit. They love the next guy. NFL fans love the the next draft pick. Uh, you and I cover minor league baseball. Baseball fans love the minor leaguer who's going to be next. I, I, I hate it. I hate the whole concept, to be perfectly honest with you. It's like we can't just enjoy what we've got already of course we've not. always we've always got to be looking grass is greener who's next who's next who's next who's next um but you know with regards to freshmen hey look i i've covered college football for almost 20 years i think it's pretty obvious i think it's relatively common sense to say that the vast majority of true freshmen are not ready to play college football in fact i i think it's a very rare case when, to, to think of a guy that is, is able and capable to come in and, you know, be a, an impact player as a true freshman. Sure, you might have one, uh, one on a team each year or, or one in a program every few years, but it's a very rare thing, Jerry. Yeah, and I think that's the tough thing to, to really understand because you expect them, because they're a highly talented recruit in college or in high school, to be immediately ready. And that's not always possible. I tell this to, my, uh, to any team that I have uh, when I coach. Um, and I know we talk about that quite a bit on here, but I think it serves value here because the jump to go from little league to adult league size field is incredible. It's physically 
insurmountable as far as baseball is concerned. Then you take the jump from high school to college. And that physically, you know, everybody phys- um, physically matures differently, right? So you, I mean, it's no, no surprise when freshmen really sometimes don't paint out. And, and there's a lot that goes into that because physically they could be ready. They could look like Tarzan and play like Jane. But also I think mentally is, is a big thing too, because when you're in high school and you are playing high school football, you're working out three or four or five days a week in the off season, right? You're just working out and that's it. You can go be a kid. You can go eat, you can go do whatever, have a girlfriend, whatever, work out again, train. But in, in college, man, that doesn't happen. Yeah. Okay. You can do some of those things, but they are such on a scale of a microscope, um, you're, you're lifting, you're eating in the facility, you're eating your, your study tables, your everything. And that's a big adjustment when you come from a big fish and a small pond to a small pond uh, or to a big fish or big, big pond, I'm sorry, and, and being a small fish. Well, you're also phenomenal in high school because you're just better than everybody. I mean, most kids, football and basketball, who can dominate in high school it's they're they're just better do they do they have to put in all the work required not necessarily they're bigger faster stronger what have you and you see that a lot so then when they get to college are they ready to put in that work and look a lot of guys are but a lot of guys aren't and so I think it's important to have this discussion anytime we start talking about well is this freshman going to make an impact well okay these kids might look physically ready. Nick Singleton, we've seen some video of him working out, and he looks physically ready. Um, Saquon Barkley, when he got to Penn State, he looked physically ready. And, and I think what happened is, especially for Penn State fans with running backs, is you, you look back to Saquon. I, I, I got his 2015 season right here, and, you know, he – he, he runs one time against Temple, uh, an afterthought, you know, because they were going with Akeel Lynch. And then, boom, week two against Buffalo is when Saquon became Saquon. And everybody kind of thinks, okay, who's going to be the next Saquon? Can Nick Singleton be the next Saquon and just emerge as a superstar? Maybe he can. I hope he can. Penn State fans hope he can. James Franklin hopes that he can. I yeah. gut would tell me there's a 90% chance that he can't as a true freshman. Now, maybe later in his freshman year, sophomore year, sure. Could, could Nick Singleton be as good or better than Saquon? Maybe. But is it going to happen his true freshman year playing behind a suspect offensive line? I, I just – that's where the, the questions have to come into play. Well, and that's the thing, too, is do you want a, a running back to run behind a porous offensive line? Do you want – because that's a confidence ruiner. And I think that's a big thing to, to really focus on, too, because if he's running behind Swiss cheese, that's not going to do anything. And when he's getting hit in the backfield two, three yards, uh, just immediately getting the football isn't going to do him any justice. He could be physically gifted. And, you know, I think we can kind of stem this off because if freshmen, you kind of see in basketball, the freshmen can go out and ball and they're fine because they're athletes. If they're tall, it's easier. Football. Every position is physical. I think you see a lot of top tier wide receivers as freshmen and you say offensive linemen or running backs because of how physically demanding those positions are. Same thing up front. Same thing with um, with the secondary. They're athletic. They can play in space. 
And you can really get, get away with that at those positions. But when you're a linebacker or a defensive lineman or offensive lineman or running back, really, if you're a box type player, there really isn't much room for you until you physically and mentally grow. And you don't want to send a guy like Singleton out there and get him beat up every season. I mean, we saw it last year and your sitch talked this week to, to multiple media outlets um, after spring practice and talked about they're moving on from last season as far as the running game went. And there wasn't a running game back or there wasn't a running game to find because it was non-existent, right? So, you know, that's an issue too. And I think that's one of the things you have to pay attention to because the one position we didn't talk about is the quarterback. Quarterback, you can come in as a freshman, I think, as long as you're able to read a defense and, and you're going to have the playbook dumbed down, but you have to be able to adjust and you have to be able to mature. Not everybody's going to be a sixth year senior or seventh year senior and a four-year starter like Sean Clifford. So, you know, you have to kind of play that, play that card and and really be hesitant because you don't want to ruin somebody and i think that you know that could really very well happen to guys like because i hold or kevon lee because those guys had to play before they were ready well when we think about singleton you and i had the discussion last year um who is going to be the top running back who should be the guy uh, i went with noah kane because i loved what noah kane did a couple years earlier uh, you had said Kevon Lee was the guy. It turned out, you know, really kind of none of them were the guy. Uh, but Kevon Lee was the most successful of any uh, – he was the most successful of all of their underwhelming running backs last year. And Kevon Lee is back. So it's interesting. We, we can kind of go about it from this standpoint. Everybody can't wait to see Nick Singleton. But if the offensive line is pretty good, I think Kevon Lee can be pretty good, Jared. We saw Kevon Lee yes. two years ago. Uh, you know, I think he had a couple hundred yard rushing games. I'll, I'll check that. But, I mean, Kevon Lee is pretty ta- – and that was as a freshman. He's a pretty talented guy. It's not like – and De- Devin Ford came in as a, as a, as a uh, touted recruit. So, uh, everybody's going to want to see the next best great thing in, in Nick Singleton. But it really wouldn't surprise me at all if Kevon Lee – uh, gets again, especially if that line is is better, uh, that he will have some success. Yeah, and I think that's um, I think that's a really good spot to to kind of shut it down for this part of the uh, segment. When we come back from this short break on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network, we're going to talk about the quarterback position, and I know that we've talked about that quite a bit, but I think it's very important when we talk about Drew Aller and Sean Clifford and the other ones that are still there. So we'll get to that here after this short break on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. gentlemen welcome back to this edition of the we are podcast on the dk pittsburgh sports podcast network he's Corey geiger i'm jared Brugard. let's talk freshman quarterbacks because penn state really when you look at it there aren't very many freshman quarterbacks that see the field early if you look in the if you look at the grand scheme of things in the grand history of the penn state football program yeah and i know some people want there to be a competition uh, between sean clifford drew aller we cannot forget Christian Veyu in the mix here. I, I have never thought there would be a competition. I still do not believe there is going to be any kind of competition. And quite frankly, I think that uh, 
I think that when you when you really look at and listen to some of the comments that James Franklin has made, um, Sean Clifford's the guy. Not and again, not that that's any surprise, but he he's still talking about the offense with regards to Sean Clifford. He's still talking about well, Sean does this and Sean does that. So again. No one should be surprised if you're thinking that Drew Allard should have a chance to come in and be uh, competing for that job. Look, he has a chance to come in and and do what he can in spring ball uh, and during summer ball and fall camp. But, Jared, they've got to get ready to play games. They've got to get – Sean Clifford still has to improve a whole lot. So – do you just sacrifice a whole season? Because I was on a, I was on a show a couple of days ago uh, the, on Sirius Set and Network on their Big Ten show with John Crispin and, and Matt Schick. And we were talking about this exact subject about, you know, Sean Clifford. Does he give you a chance to win or does he give you a chance not to lose? And I think that's an interesting, interesting question, Jared, because I'll pose this to you. I do think Sean Clifford gives them a chance to win. He has typically been a game manager, but if you don't ask Sean Clifford to do everything, then I do think he's good enough to do enough to win. If you can get him 175 yards rushing and he only has to throw for 210 yards, then I think Penn State can can win games. It's when you run for 108 yards and Sean Clifford has to do everything, including being the primary runner uh, at times, then I just think that that puts the entire program in peril. Yeah, and I think that's a very good way to look at it because I think, you know, against a lot of teams, Sean Clifford gives them a chance to win the game. But there's a couple teams like Ohio State or Michigan that he gives them a chance not to lose. He's done his fair share of winning. He's done his fair share of losing, too, as a starting quarterback at Penn State, which is very, very rare. You don't really see that. I mean, you look back at guys like Christian Hackenberg, who played significantly as a freshman. Was he ready for that spot? Athletically, I think so. Mentally, I don't think he was mentally ready for that. Now, granted, they had some dogs when he played under Bill O'Brien, and that was they had some skill guys that were very, very talented. Same thing with Sean Clifford. Now, I'm not comparing Christian Hackenberg to Sean Clifford. Everybody wants the second coming of Christian Hackenberg and the second coming of these guys. We need to let Sean Clifford be Sean Clifford. What that is to me is a game manager. He's a guy that can run five to ten. Uh, 15 times a game, um, get him upfield, get him some some space to work with the ball. You have to establish a run game with him or, or he's going to be your leading rusher. And you don't want that at the quarterback position. He's shown that not all the time he that, you know, that he is kind of, you know, can get injury prone. We saw that against Iowa. Now, of course, he came back and that's, you know, to be debated at a later date um, down the road. But the thing for me is, we have to, we talked about Nick Singleton being the next Saquon Barkley, but we need Nick Singleton to be Nick Singleton. Nick Singleton and, and Saquon Barkley are very different athletes. Sean Clifford and Drew Aller are very different, just like, you know, Sean Clifford is very different from Chase McSorley, and who's different from Christian Hackenberg. So, you know, we, we try to put these guys in this, in the, this really kind of stencil of who we want them to be, and it really doesn't work. Because they're not those guys. Everybody is unique. Everybody is different. So when you see that, it's a really big thing that you have to pay attention to. Because down the road, you know, Sean Clifford's going to be drafted because he's Sean Clifford, not because he was almost the second coming of Christian Hackenberg. But he's going to have a, he's going to be a guy that has four years of of, um, of starting experience at Division One level. Say that for what you 
say that for what you want, but you know, that's the thing. And experience uh, under center is a big factor there. Now, you know, we, we go back and forth between the freshmen. For, uh, we talk about Hackenberg. Hackenberg, again, athletically ready. Yeah, he could throw a pretty nice ball. And then it kind of backfired on them because while Bill O'Brien was out recruiting still guys, the offensive line became yeah. porous and a disaster. And then it completely ruined the trajectory of Christian Hackenberg's career post Penn State and even yeah. at Penn State. I'm, I'm looking at these are these are the first few games of Christian Hackenberg's career. 278 yards, 311. 262 in a loss to UCF, uh, mm-hmm. 170, 176 in a blowout over Kent State, 340 yards against Indiana. Now, that was a famous game because he threw 55 passes, and Bill O'Brien totally blew that. This is 2013 because Indiana had the worst, like I think the r- worst rushing defense in the entire country, and he had Christian Hackenberg throw the ball 55 times. It, wait, it wait, 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 wait. You, you mean to tell me that they had a bad, a bad running game? They threw, or they threw the ball? Indiana had the worst rushing defense, I believe, in the entire country, and Penn State threw it 55 times. Where, where have and I they, seen that before? And that, exactly, I'm getting like just, some big PTSD. It was just the opposite of what happened against Michigan State, where Michigan State had a terrible pass defense, and they Penn State's trying to run the ball. So uh, it, it is interesting because, look, could Drew Aller physically be ready to come in and throw the football around as a true freshman. Maybe, under different circumstances, if you didn't have a Sean Clifford around. Um, look, reading defenses, under, you, you're going to open on the road at Purdue, then you're going to go to Auburn in week three. So, again, it's not, it's not just that Clifford is an experienced guy and has been around. I do think Sean Clifford gives them a chance to win. Now, we, one guy that gets totally lost in all this, Jared, is Christian Veyu because mm-hmm. I uh, let me put let me let me ask you point blank who's going to be the backup quarterback to start the season because at this point I'd say there's an 80 90 percent chance it's Christian Veyu I think so too and I think that's solely because he got experience last year he came in and played a couple games played a, and it didn't do terrible but by any means I mean he did exactly what you would want him to do for the most part but again you know he's got experience matters Experience really matters at this level. Yeah, you've been out there. You've been in practice. And now, who will be – we've talked about this before. Who will be the starting quarterback in week seven against, I believe, Minnesota? It depends could on how be, good they are. Yeah, could that be Drew Aller? If you're three and three, then, yeah, maybe it's time to turn the corner. Uh, if, you're, if, you're five and, if you're five and one, four and two, well, then it's probably still Sean Clifford. But getting back to what we opened up with in the first segment, people cannot wait to see – the next the next guy they can't wait to see nick singleton they can't wait to see drew aller we've seen sean clifford be mediocre and yet we we kind of wonder could sean clifford be kenny pickett well the answer is no 100 percent no if penn state can't run the football could sean clifford get somewhat relatively reasonably close to what kenny pickett did if Penn state can really run the football now I'd still say, no, I don't I think Kenny was like 42 touchdowns, seven picks, you know, 4,000. He I also don't, had a Jordan Addison who was pretty spectacular right. too. Yeah. Yeah. Now that's yeah. not saying anything against John Dotson, who I thought was pretty underrated coming sure. out of uh, the last season. Yeah. But if next year the O-line is okay and Penn state can run the ball for a buck 60 a game, Sean Clifford will be a lot better. I, I don't, he, he's not going to be Kenny Pickett, but He's going to be good enough, I believe, 
to keep Drew Aller on the bench. Yeah, I think so too. Um, and I if think for Penn run. State, that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing by any means. Of course, we want to see Aller play. We want to see him compete. But the also the thing we have to worry about too, you know, from a media perspective, we don't get access to freshmen. So we could see, uh, I mean, we will never see Drew Aller this year other than maybe, you know, in a, in a blue-white game, which is coming up um, here in just a few short weeks, three weeks to the day, actually. Um, yeah, I had to do some math in my head, which hurts, but. Um, hey, nobody said, there'd, nobody said there'd be math on this podcast. But uh, that's going to be our best chance to see him. And, um, you know, we'll probably talk about the blue-white game here next week or even the week after as, as we gear up for it. But again, you know, the, the sample size is minimal. You're, you're going to go with a guy that's got experience. He's not done anything really to lose the job. He's had some good seasons, but he's after that, after the Cotton Bowl winning season, it's kind of not done great either. But if you polled Penn State fans right now today, who would you rather see start? Sean Clifford? Oh, they would be 100% Allen. anybody but Clifford. What? what? <laughs> I was going to say, uh, how, how big would the number be? Uh, I, look, again, because I'm trying to look at this from a reasonable standpoint. You got to go to Purdue. You got to go to Auburn. I don't think Drew Aller is going to be ready to win any of the, either of those games. But yet, I think, I think Sean Clifford gives him a chance. So, to me, even as hard as I've been on Sean Clifford, I would still say Sean Clifford. But to the fans – yeah, I, I would I would bet that that percentage would be at somewhere around ninety percent would vote for Drew Aller. Right, and I and I don't necessarily blame them, but I, I also see the the side that James Franklin sees too. Sean Clifford's an experienced veteran, potentially a leader in the club in the locker room. You know, we're going to see what happens. But speaking of percentages and money, we're going to talk about that here when we come back for the third and final segment of the VR podcast, the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Welcome back to the third and final segment of the VR podcast, the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. While I was out, Corey had some things happen, and I want Corey to tell you a couple of those things that are coming up here down the down the barrel here for for the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Yeah, real quick, I'll have my Memory Lane podcast. We're going to start that on Wednesday uh, with Mike Laval, your former Pirates catcher. We'll kick off Memory Lane. I had a great, great discussion with Mike Lavalier on getting traded to the Pirates from the Cardinals, how he thought that was, quote, awful at the time. Um, his thoughts on 90-92 uh, to 92 with the playoffs. Sid Bream, uh, the slide uh, in 92. Mike Lawyer had tremendous thoughts on that. So that podcast is going to air, believe, Jared, every two weeks. I've got Mike Lawyer lined up and some others that we'll get to later on. But I'm really looking forward to that. So just wanted to mention that uh, before we kind of get back into our, our Penn State money discussion. Right. So we're talking about money and it must be the money. Right. And must you know, be the money. That's right. Dollar dollar bills, y'all. And, um, you know, Penn State, I think, is a little behind, but I think they want to do it the right way. Um, in the NIL, the name image likeness debate, um, you know, this isn't Texas A&M. There isn't a rampant amount of money um, 
coming through the, the pipeline because of oil or gas or what have you at Penn State. Now, they have some well-known donors and they have some well-known elite people like Lisa Salters. They have guys like LeVar Arrington, um, you know, the Pagula family, uh, who's big in and with the hockey program. Uh, they self-funded that. And then obviously, you know, they own the Buffalo Sabres and the Bills as well. So, you know, there's, it's not, it's not all for naught as far as money goes, but at the same time, you know, it's not the type of money that you find at Texas A&M where they're handing blank checks out to, to boosters. And, and one of the, one of the things, and, and really the mantra that, that Penn State followed for a good number of years, and even since Joe, um, since James Franklin took over, was success with honor. And now they've started an NIL branch uh, or program off of that title, success with honor. It, it's doing things the right way on the field and off the field, uh, as far as this student in the student with the students, uh, student being athletes, uh, as well as in the community as well. Um, and I think it's a really good thing. What I'm interested to see is how the money gets divided. They've got success with honor. They've got another collective uh, that's been announced called Nittany Commonwealth. And these are good things. These are steps that needed to be taken. There needs to be coordinated efforts um, by all these folks. And, and uh, because you don't want to get left behind. We're in the very, very, very early stages of all this. And the last thing you want to do is to get left behind right away. And so I, I do think Penn State's probably behind you know behind the eight ball just a little bit compared to some other programs around the country but again we're still very early if they can get in over the next year or two and establish these collectives and really get the logistics and everything worked out to to find ways to get the athletes money these are good things the question jared then becomes how much money well and i have that answer yeah, and who get and who gets how much? You mentioned Terry Pagula. Well, last I checked, Terry Pagula, his company's worth four billion dollars. Now that doesn't mean Terry Pagula's got four billion dollars. It means his company is worth maybe he does. I don't know. Uh, but it was just announced last week that the Buffalo Bills are going to get a new stadium, and I believe Terry Pagula and his wife Kim are going to pay three hundred and fifty million dollars of their own money for that stadium. So does Terry Pagula have money left over to give Penn State? Um, Ira Lubert, you know, is very successful. There, there's only so much money, okay? There, so, again, the collectives are great, but how will Penn State keep up with, you know, some of these other major programs around the country when you're in kind of a rural town, you, your big donors, your huge donors – Jared, their money kind of has to go to the facilities master plan, mm -hmm. you would think, to upgrade Beaver Stadium and other projects. So, uh, hey, this is just an audio podcast, no video. I, I've got my hand out here on the video. Give me some money. Yeah, give me money. If everybody's got their hand out. I need money for this piece of the pie, for this piece of the pie, for this piece of the pie. That would be my concern a little bit. And we're not even – we're talking football here, Jared. We're not even talking about basketball because that's a completely yeah. separate discussion. Right. So I'm, I'm on the success with honor.org website. Um, so if you're interested in that, by all means, uh, and hopefully in the future here, we can have somebody from success with honor on the website or on the podcast and to talk a little bit more about this, the opportunities that they have there. So um, it, uh, the, according to the website, it, uh, they offer Penn State student athletes near limitless opportunities 
to engage in NIL activation. So that includes autograph signings, social media promotions, camps and clinics, charity events, special appearances, product reviews, commercials, NFTs, and many more. Um, now they are determined by the contributors and the board of directors and advisors. Now there are some big names in that advisor list and we'll talk about that here in a second. Now, what percentage of contributions go to the athlete between 80 and 85 and 90%. So that covers, you know, the rest of that covers IT, legal, marketing materials, content creation, student athlete education, fan engagement experiences and bookkeeping. Um, so the, the money is, um, you know, is going to whatever sport that you want it to. So if you want to sponsor Sean Clifford, I think that would be a great idea, Corey. Absolutely hilarious. If you sponsored Sean Clifford, um, and maybe have an autograph signing. Yeah, right. And um, but you can denote what sport and what athletes you want those contributions to be earmarked for. So if you want to give Sean Clifford a couple hundred dollars, that's you're more than welcome to do that, and it'll go um right to him. Um, now if you you have to contact them um directly if you want to you know do anything bigger uh, or larger than that. Right. So, and see, this is where the discussion comes into play. What are we talking about here? Are we talking about getting folks a couple hundred dollars? Are we talking about getting folks a couple thousand dollars? I'd love a couple thousand. For Penn State football it's a couple to keep thousand. up with the Joneses, we need to be talking about hundreds tens of thousands of, thousands of yeah. dollars. Right. Tens to yeah. hundreds. And, 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 and in, in some cases, seven figures. Okay. So th this, is, this is where – the rubber meets the road with this discussion to find money for Penn state wrestlers to get Roman Bravo Ma young, some, a few hundred bucks or a couple thousand. That's, uh, every, every little bit helps these folks and they deserve it. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to keep up with Alabama and Ohio state and Clemson and Texas A&M and Notre Dame from a football standpoint, I don't want to call it nickel and diming because mm -hmm. it's not, this is, this is money that it helps out these people. Right. But absolutely. You, you've got to find a way to get some, some dudes 500 grand, seven fifty, yeah. a million, 2 million. How long Jared is it before we see a $5 million dude? I, I think that's probably within two or three years. Yeah. I think that's possible. And I think that that's the other thing too, is where do you value these players? Penn state football brings in a boatload of cash to the university. Penn State Wrestling has an incredibly successful program. I think Kale Sanderson is one of the best, if not the best coaches in the entire country in any sport. Um, Penn State basketball, not so much. Are you thinking that they John make Hurt? money? Penn, right. Penn, they are, they right. do generate but some they do revenue, make but, money. But do you think and, that and you can do I Nick Singleton? A little. Right. So if you look at it and you say that Nick Singleton and you compare him to say, let's, I mean, this is going to be a terrible comparison, I think, but John Hara, right? Who do you think is more valuable? as far as NIL goes. And this is no sure, disrespect exactly. to uh, any of the, to either of those players. Same thing with, with you mentioned RBY with Roman Bravo Young, or even back when, uh, you know, when their studs were, <laughs> were there with Bo Nickel. Do you, how much money do you think Bo Nickel could have generated? You know? That's all we do. That's, yeah, that's what, that's what Penn State Wrestling does. And they win, right? And they make money. And there aren't very many sports, a lot of places that make a lot of money. Yeah, and, women's and, basketball, fencing. Uh, yeah, you know? that lose that lose, and and again, so there will be. I think there will be money for a lot of different athletes, but what's tricky is this. Let's say 
and and as far as we know, Drew Aller didn't get a million dollars. We haven't heard anything that he gotten that that he's gotten from Penn State. Let's say Drew Drew Aller got a million dollars. Okay, is he? Does that guarantee him anything over Christian Veyu? Right. Not how, mention, how does a coach kind of balance that? Because right? Sean. Yeah, because Sean Clifford is going to start regardless of how much money, because he mm-hmm. does give you a better chance to win. But if you're if you're Drew Aller and you come in and you got a million bucks, uh, <laughs> you're you're probably still looking for your second nil deal. Then where's my other million mm-hmm. bucks going to come from? And right. can I get that sitting on the bench behind a Christian value? Again, we're just hypothetical here because this is going to happen if not so much at Penn State. This is going to happen some other places. Quinn Ewers, especially in the deal. south, yeah, especially exactly south. where it just means more. Uh, Quinn right. Ewers got his million dollar deal from Ohio State. End up leaving. They got you know they got they got quarterbacks there, so he ends up leaving. And so right. that's where all this is going to get really really tricky. Let's just say Nick Singleton got a million bucks to come into Penn State and gets right. beaten out and gets beaten out by Kevon Lee. And they've yeah. got some big time players here on this board of supervisors or the uh, board of advisors. So you got Granite Mint, National Little Cross League player, LeVar Arrington, obviously, um, Kelsey Amy, um, who was a field hockey alum, uh, really good. Chris Bevilacqua, who um, was a Penn State All American wrestler, uh, and then was great in the business world. Um, you know, Todd Blackledge, everybody knows Todd Blackledge, Calvin Booth, um, Ben Booma, who was. Um, you know, All-American defenseman, national champion for the hockey program. Uh, is a project advisors uh, during the school's jump from Division I uh, to jump to Division I, uh, as well as the design of Pegula. And, um, you know, that's, you know, Michael Robinson, Lisa Salters, um, David Taylor, the magic man himself. You know, they got, they got some backers. And I think yeah, that's Yeah, and if huge. you want to get some money, you get one, yeah. of those, get one of those folks on the phone. They can help you get some money. You'd hope. Yeah. Exactly. And, and, you know, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out for Penn State because, I mean, or, or does it create kind of a lethargy or lethargicness at Penn State, right? If you're making $200 million or you're making $2 million or $200,000 to sit on the bench as a college kid, that's not a bad deal. Of it's, course, the competitor coaches, you want to play. It's going to put the, it puts coaches the coaches in, in a bad spot. position, just like yeah, they do with really the transfer tough. portal, you know, and it, yeah, it'll Jared, be interesting to see how that goes. You're a high school coach. You deal with kids. I mean, imagine if, imagine if they had this at the high school level, and you got some, you got some seventeen-year-old kid well, who needs and, to I mean, start. We've seen it, and maybe not at the high school level, but at the college level. This kid's, this kid's dad is a big-time donor. This kid's dad was a big-time player for us. You know, maybe not at the high school level, late, uh, level per se, but it does happen at the collegiate level. You know, well, Michael, Lavar Arrington gives you a hundred million dollars a year. You're probably going to want to play his son if he has. If, he, if yeah. he's at Penn State. Before we go, I want to bring up basketball here because, again, this, this came up with John Crisp and they asked me on, on the radio the other day about NIL money for basketball. Uh, I, don't, I don't see it. Uh, I, I don't see a whole lot. Uh, I mean, again. It's going to have to come from lot, the shoe deals. It's, it's all relative. Shoe, shoe deal. yeah. Well, sure. Everything's relative. Can you get $100? Can you get $500? Can you get 1000 or two? Again, that's. No, no college kid's going to turn down a couple thousand bucks. That's pretty good. But, again, we're talking about comparative to football right. and comparative to other basketball programs. Right. I mean, we're talking before the Final Four goes on, those four programs tonight between Villanova, Kansas, uh, Duke, and Carolina, 
their NIL deals are going to be far and superior, sure. greater than Penn State or a lot of teams up north. You know, so you're and, Micah Shrewsbury, and you go out in the pro portal, and you say, hey, come to Penn State. Here's what we can get you. Yeah. And then Michigan and Illinois, they can get you quadruple that. So that's where, again, we can talk about this from a football standpoint because football does pay the bills at Penn State. Right, but every but sport matters. Every sport matters. And from a basketball standpoint, I really hope they can find a way to make it profitable. But, again, Penn State's lot in life – you know, as of right now is still as an also ran from a basketball standpoint. Right. And I'm also interested to see what this means for female sports, for the women's sports, because, mm-hmm. and this is no disrespect to them. I think they generate quite a, a little bit less money, um, especially in basketball. I'm not quite sure of the other, of the other programs up there, but let's use basketball. Do you think they're going to bring in more revenue than what they, what, what basket or what boy, the men will do? You know, I think there's going to be some title nine implications as well, because then, everybody's going to have to get a cut because if you're going to have a rat race with the football program, well, the other teams and other players are going to have an issue with that, you know, deservedly or undeservedly. So, you know, why are they making this much more money? And of course, Penn State football generates a billion, almost a billion dollars in revenue every year. Um, Just to park, it's multi-millions of dollars. Um, But, you know, that, I think the title nine implications are going to matter here down the road as well. And it just goes to show we can have all these discussions, but football is its own discussion. Right. I mean, uh, the women's volleyball program that's won national titles, wrestling national titles, all these college kids deserve to be able to get as much as they can possibly get. Anybody in life, you, you go get yours, man. Get, get yours any way you can get it. But right. foot, football is a completely different discussion. It, it's, yeah. just, it's just another – it's another universe, really. Right. It, it's like the Catholic and high school version of, you know, high school basketball uh, or high school football. Oh, we're going to get into that, huh? No, no, we, we don't Let's have the time or the space. Time. Yes, yeah, right. But, but that's, I think, kind of the idea there is it's the haves and have-nots. And I think football, as far as an NIL, NIL standpoint, should be held to its own ramifications. Now, that would require the NCAA to actually care about this. I don't think that they do because it's little get it off our hands because they don't know how to really handle much of anything uh to be perfectly honest i mean there's a team that you know probably shouldn't be in the final four in kansas uh with the with the ramifications that are held against them at this point buddy if you're going there there's a team in the final four that probably should have gotten a five-year probation period because they got a fraudulent academic institution what do you mean those classes were fully legit Corey. especially what do you mean fake classes Everybody what do you mean that. fake classes and but but that's the thing yeah. you know these every school what. is fraudulent i think at, to a certain extent and remember who was that um cardale jones i'm not here to play school was that him we ain't come here to play school that's but right. i will yeah. say and jared's a carolina fan I'm, I'm only busting your chops here a little bit but uh what right. went on at carolina educationally yeah. is it just was a disgrace I, oh, I mean, they they, they got away with they got away with a hell of a lot of stuff at Carolina. Oh my God, yeah, absolutely, and I, I completely agree. You know, as I'm a, a Syracuse, <laughs> I'm a Syracuse fan. They got dinged by the NCA, and rightfully so. And I'm not going to yeah. defend them. And they took a hundred something wins away from Jim Beheim. And hey, you got to deal with the punishment if you're going to. But but the things that Syracuse did, you know, guys playing in some rec leagues and one guy getting a right. I mean, right. And, it's not, it's not the same as hundreds upon hundreds of student athletes taking yeah, fake exactly. classes. 
No, exactly. And I think that's the NCAA's issue. And, you know, Coach K actually called Mark Emmert out um, in his pregame, uh, in his, some of his pre, pre-Final Four pressers. And I thought that was really good. Was a guy of that magnitude, you know, Coach, coach say what you want for me as a, as a Carolina fan, and, and he is the Duke coach. Um, but, you know, that, that speaks volumes, you know, when the, when, the, when the association doesn't really have faith in its leaders, that's an issue. But that's a, that's a completely other story um, for another day. Uh, hopefully down the road, you know, sometime they'll actually figure their stuff out. I'm not holding my breath or I'd be pretty purple. But for Corey Geiger, I'm Jared Pergar. Thank you as always for listening to the VR Podcast, the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Have a great week and we'll talk to you again next week, everybody.